this is Pod of Time, a Wheel of Time podcast. I'm Jackie, and I've read the books. I'm Nicole, and I never have. Let's just talk, let's talk about episode two. It came out the same time as episode one, the same time as episode three. And I think just for context, we've watched them all. So we have to beg forgiveness if something slips. It might be, yes, it might, it might slip. We're going to re- try really hard not to. Yeah, I don't think and it will. And that is different. When I watched episode, when we talked about episode one, I had only watched episode one. Yes. And I think the conversation would have been very different because I f***ing loved episode two. Yes. I loved it. So many things shifted for me. I absolutely loved it. I want to yep. know. Okay. I cried so much. You yeah, cried? Absolutely loved it. Yeah. I don't know. Something. I don't know. It was like, it was, it caught me off guard. Yeah. Okay. I really liked it too. I really liked episode just, two. It felt like so many things clicked into place. Yes. And I'm going to, what is creaking in your home? That is what it sounds like when people, when our neighbors are walking upstairs. No way. Yes. It is. Authentic. So loud. What were you just saying? Uh, I was just going to say, should we just go in chronological? Like I have little notes, little scene oh. notes. Wait, I remember my thoughts. Yes, so I yes, think yes. this is going to come up a lot during the discussion of this show. When you talk about fantasy, especially epic fantasy, it doesn't get made a lot because it's expensive. And there are sort of two cultural touchstones, right? One is Lord of the Rings and one is Game of Thrones. And we can, we'll get into this way more talking about other episodes. Mm-hmm. But this gave me Lord of the Rings. And I think that's actually the DNA of Wheel of Time. I have in my notes... Matt and Rand, and this is about episode three, but yes, like, I I think that there are a lot of moments where the show is very deliberately and clearly visually and in dialogue referencing Lord of the Rings. Yes. Oh, I I saw you tweet about, I saw you tweet about the first episode and without a doubt, the first episode is. Yes, it's it's indirect. Oh, God, I sound like an English professor talking about two TV shows. I'm like, it is in direct conversation with Lord of the Rings. But, but that's it what is. this podcast is. That's what this is. That's what this is. It's just thinking too hard. Like it or not, about, that's what this is. Yeah. Okay, here's what I will say with my mouth. I did uh, sit down to eat dinner at the start of this episode and mm. did deeply and immediately regret it. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid, girl. And I said I should know above all others that sometimes brutality is the only path to mercy. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty violent and pretty nauseating. Like, not just the eating of the little bird, I guess, but also... So the first scene is an Aes Sedai being burned at the stake, which I thought was an interesting move to have the second scene, the first real scene that isn't just a prologue, but the first scene in the first episode are the Aes Sedai stilling someone, which you don't know what that means, but they're stilling him. And then the first scene of the second episode are the children burning an Aes Sedai at the stake. So you kind of get that, like, there are people in this world who think one side is evil and there are people who think the other side is evil and they're all insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this is all brutal and insane. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that scene is pretty stomach turning. It's rough. It's rough. And we'll have, like, I think, potentially down the road, more meta conversations about casting and all that. Because mm. I did have sort of a response to this. Or we can get into it now. I don't, I just, I'm concerned about sounding, like, performative in it. Mm. But it is interesting to me that, like, of the two 
dark-skinned black men cast in the show both are playing somebody villainous in an ominous way and that struck mm-hmm. me so early and i think that it, i think i do think it's a conversation worth having or worth observing at least in that it's not just about like who gets to be on screen but it's like what you get to do when you're on screen also and i don't just think it's something worth clocking well who are the two that you're talking about um the peddler yes okay pad and fame yes yes and the uh King child. I don't, I don't know. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Um, I honestly, for a moment was like, I don't remember how much the show has told you yet about Pat and Fame, but yes, I had the exact same thought. They haven't, but like the read is very clear about that. You get that he's trouble. Yeah, Yeah. precisely. Precisely. I had the same thought. Um, and I just don't know. I'm like, I just don't have a good answer, but it, but it did occur to me as well. Um, when I saw that he was a, questioner i was like oh okay let's make sure that this doesn't happen a third time precisely or only happen in that way like uh, heroes too you know like exactly exactly um but i thought yes i it was noted um but that scene is great and it like i think it's uh yeah really well acted and like gets so much it's such a nice little scene of world building where like it's another one with the same with the stilling where like I don't exactly know what's happening or who you are how you fit in but I get that you're burning an eyes to die and that you are you seem deeply unhinged let's also not just say burning and this is something we'll get into way more with episode three it's Mm -hmm. cutting off it's like Titus Andronicus vibes do you know what I mean it's not just it's brutal it's not just like Salem like cartoon Salem witch trials, you know? And Mm -hmm. we will discuss that more, but I think that also goes to the Lord of the Rings versus Game of Thrones of it all. It's really good. And then I know that this is so lame, but I want to talk about the title sequence because I think it's so good because it's not in the first episode. I went, I think it's funky and weird and actually gave me, it reminded me a lot of Westworld's uh, opening credits It just feels like Game of Thrones feels very much like it's of that world. And this feels like weird and scientific and modern in a way that I think is really interesting when you think about the mythology of this story is being told over and over, like the wheel keeps turning. I love it. And I love the music. I think it's scored so well. I will clock it more for episode four because I will be completely frank. And for me, the long title sequence is like, oh, okay, great. This is the last chance I have to get my texts out for the next hour. And then I have to put my phone down on the table. No, I hear. And I think it's a weird thing to be into. But I also, so I find the books to be very, very traditional high fantasy. Like, obviously, there are innovative and interesting things, but... I think at its worst, it can be farty and a little stale. Sure. Where you're just like, you know, I know what this is and I've seen it before. And I like that they're injecting cool into it in places mm-hmm. that feel appropriate. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get into way more in three. Uh, yes. Okay. So do we want to talk about when I cried? Yes, please. So oh. I need to. Oh, wait, no, go for it. You know what I, I think cried. I know. Great. Do you want to guess? It's not the wind that listens to me. Oh, my God. I can't. I can't. Or I can't. whatever. Yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. I thought, I thought I felt something, but those first two, those were mine. That last, that was yours, and yours alone. You don't listen to the wind, Egwene. 
It's the wind that listens to you. I'm getting choked up. The conversation. It was just really well done, really well acted. There was such warmth in it. Rosamund Pike fully turned around on her this episode. I get it all. I get all the energy. And I don't know if it's something that wasn't present in the pilot. I don't know if they didn't want it in the pilot. I don't know. All everything it was giving me here was I was like, oh, that is exactly what I want the wizard to be. Mm -hmm. I I hate to talk about like feminine energy because it's not a binary, but like the feminine is a thing. And there was something that felt like it felt like solidarity. It felt that's what it is. It felt like solidarity in a really just beautiful, meaningful, not um, heavy handed way. Yes. Part of the reason it was so meaningful for me was that we've seen that scene with a male character 1000 times like you're a wizard, Harry, and. It's you, you're a Targaryen, and you're the ring bearer, and it's, like, always a guy. So to see that scene of the wizard telling a young woman in this way that you said is, like, really well acted and not cheesy and not corny, and, yeah, that you're the special one, that you have this innate ability that I'm going to help you cultivate, was, like, (laughs) I didn't realize how much I wanted to see that until I saw it. I know. It was good. I know. I There's like a lot that like doesn't quite work about this iteration of Doctor Who, but the thing that worked for me right away from the very beginning was the Doctor and Yaz. And it was just like mm. this woman who has all of this power, who has access to all of the world, treating like an equal this uh, woman who's being brought into the world. And that was like a thing that always very much moved me with 13. And I think they've actually lost it in a really misguided way. Um <laughs> But it, it gave me flashes of like when I would find myself crying during Doctor Who episodes. And I think it's the same thing. It's like it's solidarity. Yeah, I thought it was great. I really loved it. It's the kind of thing where I don't know if they'll ever address it because there's so much to address. But the stone, how you use objects is significant. And there are some objects in the world that are like they're meaningful. So it was kind of a nice nod to readers to like, I don't know if we're going to dive into what these are and the whole mythology. But like, here's one for you. This is how it works. Then they all go to sleep, I guess, on the ground, which seems impossible. <laughs> I've never slept on the ground. It's not possible. Right. And they all, we get the scene of Rand pulling the bat out of his mouth and find out that everyone had a dream about bats and everyone had a dream about a scary guy with fire eyes. And right. I assume they're going to bring it up more, but dreams and people appearing in your dreams is a massive part of the books and the ability of people to... <laughs> manifest in dreams oh that's so interesting that makes so i think they're laying a lot of groundwork for uh a lot it's a lot of moraine being like that's important don't do that remember this and i said i can't say this and can say that and you know we didn't even talk about it works really well because it's just they don't they're content to just be like we'll get to it here's the foundation we'll get to it we don't need to give you a 15 minute monologue about dreams and dream world i'm intentionally not using some vocabulary but yes oh there's vocabulary you're holding yeah, for me i like yeah. that i appreciate uh, that yeah i thought that was great but what did you think were you like why is this happening why are we dreaming about pulling a bat out of our no mouth? i liked it i'm always a little dubious i know i'm always a little bit dubious of dreams because it's that thing of like oh this moment doesn't have stakes because i know immediately that it's a mm-hmm. metaphor so a light hand, mm-hmm. a light touch with the dreaming would be my hope, but apparently not. Nah. Okay, stop me if I'm going too fast, but the next thing that felt 
like discussion worthy was when Moraine and Lon and everyone meet the children. Totally. Right? We children try to steer clear of the Aes Sedai when we can. When you get to Whitebridge, find one. Only one of those women can heal this wound. I thought that scene was great because they did the thing earlier of setting up the Aes Sedai oaths and the fact that they can't break them. One, to speak no word that is not true. Two, to make no weapon with which one person may kill another. Three, never to use the one power as a weapon, except in the last extreme defense of her life, or the life of her warder, or another Aes Sedai. These oaths are bound by the one power itself. It's not that we do not break them, it's that we cannot break them. And then we get to see Moraine do it. And you're like, oh no. It was very well structured. Yeah. It was nice to see it used. I already knew, like, I said I don't lie, but they're sneaky. And so that was fun. Yeah. Oh, here's what I didn't get, though, from my perspective. So it seems like, and I don't think this is the case, but it seems like Children of Light, or at least the this one, is just like a witch hunter, like an I said I hunter. And so why he wouldn't just be like, yo, are you I said I? Felt confusing to me. It felt convenient. There were a lot of moments this episode where it felt like, oh, the bad guys are like conveniently stymied. Like they don't do water and they won't go near this building and they won't. And it's like, that is like a, when your characters are so outmanned by your villains, that is like a thing. Like you have to come up with limitations, but a lot of these limitations did feel pretty convenient. Yeah. Like so many things, I think the the way that they function, the mythology, they go into it a little bit more in the books. There, I think there are reasons why the questioners can't just like ask that, but I don't remember. I think part of mm-hmm. it is that like an Aes Sedai can just find a way to not answer any questions. So they have to be more like crafty and creative about it. Like, are you Aes Sedai? Are you Aes Sedai? Yeah. That sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Just asking it back. <laughs> but are you? What did you think of the big Rosamund Pike, the Minetheran speech right after that? It was interesting. It lost me at some points and then I came back to it because it really was a long speech <gasps> or story. Yes. Yeah, and it was, and, and but this is also like the Lord of the Rings of it all, of like these really are like kids from a small town, but it's not a nothing small town. It's like, it's a small town with a history and with like a world, a, a history of a place in the world. But I don't know that it was worth the real estate, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I think you could have lost some of it and still kept what you needed. I kind of agreed. It felt like a lot of, I mean, this scene is where I felt like Rosamund Pike earned every penny because that story being told by any lesser actress is interminable. But her, this could be the whole episode is just her telling me a story and I'm on board. Yes. But yeah, it took up a lot of real estate. And it was also where, because that stuff was adding up for me too of, Especially on a rewatch where it's like the Trollocs can't go in water and the Trollocs can't go into Shadar Logoth. And also they just don't know, like they know all the words to the song, but they never asked anyone in town, what is Minetherin? Or everyone's like, I don't know, we just sing the song. It felt to me like this weird right. kind of convenient 
ignorance for her to tell a story. I also read in an interview that Rosamund Pike fought to keep that scene in, which I think is very interesting. Good for her. Yeah. But she was like, don't cut my giant monologue. It's streaming. The episode can be six that was hours. A day of my life. Yeah, are you kidding? I memorized all of those weird words. Like we can just keep going chronologically, or is there something we missed? I don't think there's anything we missed, but when we get to Shazzy Town, Shangri La. So there was, so I got, I don't, I don't want us to harp on this too much because like I, I am benefit of the doubt, presuming there is a reason. No, no, no. This is like, I think morally, I'm presuming there is potentially a reason for recasting. Mm. That. And I don't want us to harp on it too much. It is very transparent. The reason is not talent. Without question, right? Yes. I did, when I went looking for answers, because it's also absolutely psychotic to me, nothing has been leaked. Never in my life have I encountered this kind of, like, lockdown. Yeah. Which also makes me think potentially it is something sensitive mm-hmm. and people are just being cool mm-hmm. about it. But the when I went looking for information, because I don't like not knowing things, it was spoiler-free, but then I saw the word dagger, and I was like, oh, I f***ed up. Now I know something about f- dagger who knows this is going to come up in season four who the f- knows and then when the dagger showed up at the end of the episode i was like oh cool cool, cool. i'm there okay it's yeah fine. dagger's pretty okay, early whatever this is yes That's i had great. the same thought and it was the moment when after lon is like tells them what shadar lagoth is shadar lagoth sounds like the old tongue it means shadows waiting just said that evil itself grew from the city's heart it consumed everyone and everything that lived. And he's just like, mm, couple of questions. <laughs> like, couple of things. Um, one, that's more words than you've said all day, probably ever. And two, why in light's name did you bring us here? This guy is great. 100%. This show there were so many that. great lines. There were so many great lines, but that line was truly excellent. Yes. And that line reading was truly excellent. And that tone, the episode, the dialogue in this episode really was so great. Yes. Um, and I don't know what their structure is, but I would like to give a shout out to the episode writer. Like sometimes your name's on an episode, but you didn't write yeah. it. But presuming this person did, it's just really excellent dialogue. It, the dialogue is great. And like the only critique I had of the dialogue was more of that, especially because in the books, yeah. he is supposed to be this charming, rakish, a little bit the Han Solo, a little bit. Uh there's always one. Yeah, you can totally tell that. I was actually trying to figure out, like, because there was a part of me as I was watching it, I was like, oh, I think if I, like, had an avatar, it would be this type of character. Hmm. Like, if I if I fully felt, like, capable of coming in, if I was the person I wanted to be, I think it would be this character. But I don't know how to describe them, because it's not, like, Han Solo is a rogue. Matt's not quite rogue. No. It's just sort of, like... And snarky's not right either, but it's like effortlessly, effortlessly snarky, but snarky's still not the right word. Yeah, I know what you mean. They have a little bit of a bird's eye view of the situation. Yeah, they're not disengaged, but are taking the long view of what's happening. Yes. And are... There is swagger. Yeah. But it's like, it, it feels like a good improviser thing where it's like you're able to watch a scene and nail down exactly what's happening. Like, everyone is wrapped up in this story about Shadar, Shadar Lagoth, and he's like, hey, a couple of questions. Why are we here? That's like a perfect improv move, where you're just like, cool, 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 cool. You took us to a haunted city. Can I ask why? I mean, it's not a perfect improv move, because, but on a weekend team, that's a perfect improv move. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Oh, Amanda Schumann wrote this episode. Amanda Schumann, you really, 
You did a great job. It was, it's just, yeah, it is just great dialogue. Yes. Uh, and then, so they're actually in Shangri-La, Shaz, Shanty, Shazzy, Lilifair. And mm-hmm. there's the dagger. And this is, so last episode when I was like, there maybe there's a plot thing with Ilana where Matt gives his dagger to Perrin and that's kind of justification for him to pick up this other dagger. Again, it's not enough. It's nowhere near not enough. enough. It's insane. Not enough to invent and kill and a wife. Nothing can kill her. But I was like, I don't know. Maybe they felt like that wasn't motivated enough. But also, he steals. It's fu- like we see him stealing. We don't need more motivation. I was trying to help him out. <laughs> but no. also, it's like an affair. Like it called to him. That's enough. Yeah. He wanted that dagger. I didn't hear the whispers, but my closed captioning told me there were whispers. I think it's that kind of ambient, like, where yeah. uh, there's something at work here, whether or not he hears it, I don't know. Right. Yeah. So this scene is something that they talked about at Comic-Con, about, like, specifically the set design, how this set was really impressive. So I kind of went into it with high expectations. I didn't think, I agree, I thought the set was fine i thought some of the visual effects were cool though like once or twice the little shadows passing in the background genuinely gave me a slight jump scare which i thought was great that stuff was great as because it was very clearly like practical sets and then like green screen behind it yes and i did say to my boyfriend i was like god maybe volumes don't always work and he's like they're not in a volume i was like right duh 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 they're in like a static green screen in front of and it was like, it was a reminder of like, oh, right, this is why Mandalorian is so next level is because they have the money to do that cutting edge stuff. And without it, it does look a little fakey fakey. It looks a little fakey fakey. I think some of the visual effects saved it. Also, this is another example of there's way more time spent in this in the books this it's a so i think for people who had read the books and getting there and seeing it was i'm trying to think of a game of thrones equivalent but i can't like finally seeing this thing and knowing we're we're not really going to spend time there but we're going to try and make it look cool it's like it looks okay yeah it's an right. abandoned city right i get it i get what you need me to get yeah and then and, and that does go to like your note last week that it feels like it's very like wrapped up at the end of the episode mm-hmm. we're doing one episode in shantytown shangri-la yeah and then and that's it but and they all get separated and they you know there's the jumping and the separation that there's the breaking of the fellowship and then f***ing naive coming back if you don't take me to them right now i'll slit your throat I did the TV thing of like, I did forget. Like she, even though I know she didn't die, it was like, I forgot her chest piece was still out there. And when she came back, I was like, that's right. Nineve. Yes. I don't know. Was it, did you see it coming? Well, yeah. Cause we had discussed that she okay. was coming back. So I was actually thrilled that it was so soon. Mm. And we'll talk about where she was in episode three. We'll talk about it in episode three. Okay, there's one thing I want to do that we put in the pitch document. It was a segment that we never talked about, and I think I made it up called Getting Randy. Just the most embarrassing segment. But basically, if you had to guess, other than Rand and Egwene, who 
of all the characters that we know is going to have sex, could you pick, put one couple together from... I could next episode. Yes. Great. But right now, everyone's feeling pretty dry. Yeah, I would say. There was like that weird Moraine land bath. Platonic bath. But it felt like... It felt... That's what Grace... He also called it a platonic bath. A platonic bath. bath. I was like, like, it's a platonic bath. Maybe we've done like um, parallel play at some point. Yeah, yeah. But Mm -hmm. not... But only when we've been on the road for a long time. Precisely. Yeah. So we'll talk about it. We'll do... We'll definitely do getting randy in episode three but right now at most we we know randy and Egwene, and we think that maybe there's been some mutual masturbation between between uh lon and moraine maybe okay right. love that love that choice for for us and for this podcast okay well episodes are dropping every monday after the episode airs so subscribe download tweet instagram tick tock post about it everywhere and thanks for listening. Bye.